<laughs> this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the nice things about me being a little forgetful sometimes is I don't say it the same way every time. So y'all really have to listen. Have you noticed that? I even noticed, I go, is that how I say it? I don't know. You know, I just kind of keep going. So kind of fun. Um, for those of you that did get the one call yesterday, you know that I feel like, and I, and I mean this, I believe this is the most important series that we're starting that I've taught in five years. Now, as a pastor, that's saying something. I really believe that what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks will absolutely transform your life. But you've got to apply the principles. And so today, as we get started, as we get ready to jump into this, knowing how important this is, I want you to really open up your hearts, open up your ears this morning. The Bible says, he who has ears, let him hear. And I want you to do that today. I want you to just say, God, speak to me. So let's pray. Father, I just pray right now as we begin to, to jump into your word and into this message, I just pray, Father, that it would truly change our hearts, all of us. And, I, and I'm saying me too, Lord. I pray that this word would penetrate deep into our hearts and our lives. And, Father, that you would begin to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you've got your notes or your Bibles or you can look up on the screen. We're going to start in Ephesians 6, verse 12, and it says this. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I want to explain something to you today. There is a war going on all around us. It's unseen. And while we may not see the forces that are in conflict, we see the results of this war all around us. We see broken families. We see lives turned upside down by drugs, by different challenges that people face, by heartache. We see broken families, divorce, immoral activity, corrupt governments. And the end result of all those things is broken hearts and broken lives. And they're victims of this conflict that's going on all around us that's unseen. And I want to tell you, this conflict is real. And it goes on 365 years, or 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. It is constantly raging. And this series is called Living Free. Okay? And, and the reason I knew that we needed to do this is because over the last five years as your senior pastor, you know, I've dealt with, with countless people, hundreds of people, that have come through our church and, and the different challenges that they're facing. And I want you to know today, I've seen the results of this conflict, not only in our church, but in my family and the lives of, of hundreds and even thousands of people in our area, that there's this battle going on all the time. And, and you see this conflict happening. And over the last few months in particular, I've been asking God, you know, I, I'm so tired of seeing people get up and fall down and get up and fall down and, and they get their lives right and then things fall apart and then they're, they're doing well and then challenges come in and it just seems to be this continual cycle. And I knew in my heart, I knew in, as I like to say, I know in my knower <laughs> that, that it's not supposed to be that way. 
And, and so as I struggled with this and prayed and sought God about what we're supposed to do, I believe he delivered this series into our hearts. And so much so that even after we get done with this series, I'm going to require every person that joins this church to go through this class. Because I believe that there are so many of us, and I'm talking to a lot of people here today, there are so many of us that get saved, we receive this free gift that God has paid for us in salvation, but we are still in bondage. And it is possible, and I'm just going to clear the air today, you can be a Christian and be saved, but you can be in change your whole life until you go to heaven. And there are even denominations that that talk about these things. Well, I'm just a lowly worm saved by grace. You know, we grew up, I grew up in some of that, where it's just, man, we're just going to make it through. And yet my Bible does not read that way. And so I've had to come to the conclusion that, that either God's not telling the truth or we're not receiving the truth. And I know that God can't lie, so the reality is we're missing the boat. And the devil is working overtime to make sure that we do miss the boat. And so this series is about living free. In other words, I want you to get free, and then I'm going to tell you what the Word says about staying free. And I don't know about you guys, but Jesus said, I've come to give you good news. This is good news. This is what it's all about, okay? So you need to make sure you're here every week. This is also one of those series, if you notice today, I gave you more pages of notes. My note takers, yay, they're all excited. The rest of you are like, oh, man. <laughs> but here's the reason why. There's so much information about this. I want you to get it all. This is also one of those series you're probably going to need to go back onto our website and download it and listen to it again and again because this is one of those things you need to keep. And, and you all know me that I'm not just saying this. I mean it. Okay? So let's talk about what we need to do. Let me give you some history here about this conflict that's raging right now. It began in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. Then God blessed them. Adam and Eve and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And here's the point. From the time that God created us and put us in the garden, those he put in the garden, he intended to be fruitful. God's plan for your life and my life is to be fruitful and multiply. And I'm not just talking about kids. I'm talking about that your life should be fruitful. God wants to bless you, but by blessing you, he wants to bless the whole earth. His plan from the beginning has been that we have fellowship with him and that we be fruitful. God wants you to be blessed. How many of you know that's good news? That's God's plan. He wants you to be blessed. But it's not just blessed for yourself. God blesses you so that you can bless other people. That's his plan. God wants you to have good things. He wants Christy to have shoes. He wants... People to have bass boats. He wants, he, God wants to bless you with things. He doesn't want things to have you, but he wants to bless you with things. But he also wants to bless you with peace and joy and hope and all these amazing gifts that money can't buy, that things can't buy. He wants to bless your life. Why? So that you can bless other people. He wants you to be fruitful and multiply. I also love the fact that God's plan for our life is not addition. It's not 1 plus 1 equals 2. God's plan is 10, plus, 10 times 10. God's plan is multiplication. God wants to really bless you, and he wants you to really bless other people. Ephesians 1, 3 through 11 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world God loved us 
And he chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Man, that's good news. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Isn't that good news? So, we praise God for the glorious grace that he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Man, guys, that's pretty awesome right there. That's one of those you can cut out and put on your refrigerator. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's pretty good stuff. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Jesus, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Jesus, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Man, that's good stuff. I mean, does anybody read that and go, wow, that's pretty cool? That's you. That's about you. God, God is saying here, I mean, this is the Bible, I mean, kind of condensed in a couple of verses right here. God's plan from the beginning has been to choose you and adopt you into his kingdom and bless you. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and reestablish the kingdom, and we're going to get to be a part of that. That's awesome. So let's look at God's plan here. Here's the plan. I've got three little diamonds for you, so take a look at them. God's plan number one was family. God's plan is family. God created us for family. God created us for each other. When we call ourselves a church family, we mean that. Good, bad, and otherwise. You know, that we, we are a family, and that's God's plan. He creates families. God's second part here, the, the second diamond, is fellowship. God created us for fellowship with him and with each other. You know, we're going to get out today down at the river as a church family, and we're going to fellowship and hanging out with each other, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And God created us to do that, but God, more importantly, created us for fellowship with him. Do you realize when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, the Bible tells us that in the cool of the evening, God would come down and he would fellowship with them. He would walk with them. He would spend time with them. God desires to do the same thing in your life. God created you for fellowship with him. That's an amazing thing. And a matter of fact, God so much created you for fellowship with him that when we sinned and we walked away from him, he paid the price to reestablish that relationship so that you could have fellowship again. That's how important that is to him. Here's the other thing that God's done. God's created us for blessing. God's created us for blessing. All, for all the earth. He's, he's created us for blessing for all the earth through us. The earth is to be blessed through us. Do you realize, you know, we talk about that we're a city on a hill. We talk about we're the hands and feet of Jesus, and that's where this blessing comes in. We're the hands and feet of Jesus to reach other people and bless them and to love on them and show them who Jesus is. And God's plan has always been to impact the world through his people. And that's what he's created us for. So God's first command, get this, God's first command to mankind was this, be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that awesome? That's the first commandment, be fruitful and multiply. That is cool. 
I don't know if you are as excited about this as I am. This really excites me. I mean, that's God's plan. It's not be miserable people every day. That's what I want you to do. Be scared of me all the time. Because if you mess up, I'm going to zap you with a lightning bolt. Verily, verily. You know, that's not God's plan. God's plan for us is, look, Shane, I want to bless you. I'm blessed in your I mean, and we are his kids and his parents and grandparents. We are we are so blessed when we see our kids blessed. We are so blessed when we see our kids do amazing things, aren't we? And, and so God's plan is he wants to bless us from the very beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. And that gets me excited. I may just preach this later to myself anyway. I think it's pretty awesome. But there's a but here. There has been one who has opposed God's plan from the very beginning. The deceiver, Satan. And I want to tell you something. I don't talk about the devil a whole lot. But he's real. And millennia ago, there was a conflict in heaven where Satan decided to set himself up and be God. And he rebelled. And there was a rebellion in heaven. And and he rebelled. Satan, who was the worship leader of heaven, rebelled. And he was cast out of heaven. And I want you to understand today, I want to set the record straight so that everybody's clear. There is not a tug of war between God and Satan. (gasps) Who's going to win? I don't know. It's going to be Jesus or God. I don't know. That's not how it works. God speaks and things happen. Okay? We've already won. We're just waiting for the fulfillment of the plan to come to pass. And the reason it's not over with yet is that God loves his children and he wants everybody to come to repentance. And, and he's just waiting on us. He's got a perfect time for this all to be over with. But there's this conflict from the beginning. I'm not going to read it because it's too long, but I want to encourage you to go and read Psalm 78, and it illustrates this cycle. And I want you to know that there is a cycle that people go through, and, and Becky's going to have it up on the screen here. And I want you to study this out, and you will find it to be true. Here is the cycle that people go through. And it started in the Old Testament, and it goes all the way up even today. So this is important. So let's start up at the top where blessing is. We, we, we see and we all understand that God wants to bless us, right? Everybody get that? So here's what's happened. If you go and study the Old Testament and through the New Testament, and you study the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, and, and, and even people in your own lives, here's what you see. God blesses us. And God blesses us. And you know what happens when we tend to get blessed after a period of time? Do what? We get high and mighty. And we rebel. We rebel. We forget who blessed us. And then we go into rebellion. And then what happens when you go into rebellion is that you end up in captivity. Your sin messes you up. And all of a sudden, these decisions that you've made mess you up. And now you go into captivity. And then when you get in captivity, you realize that you don't like it. And so you begin to cry out to God, God, save me, help me. And because God is merciful and gracious, we studied this Friday in our men's Bible study, he redeems us, redemption. And then when he redeems us because he loves his children so much, he blesses us because he loves us. And as he blesses us, the cycle starts all over again. So you've got this constant cycle of blessing, rebellion, captivity, repentance, redemption, blessing. 
Here's the plan, though. God wants us to stay in the blessing phase. (laughs) That's his plan, is he wants us to stay in the blessing phase. And I want to tell you what this series is about completely. And I want to tell you guys, this is absolutely the truth. Go back and study the Old Testament. God blesses them. They rebel. They go into captivity. They cry out to God. And sometimes it took hundreds of years for this cycle to complete. Generations. You go, well, pastor, how's that work? Well, look back for a second at the children of Israel when they went into Egypt. They cried out to God. God saved them. What happened? They got out in the desert and they wanted something else. Right? And there's just this cycle that goes over and over and over again. And it's the same for us individually. And if you look at your own life as a Christian, you'll see this pattern. You'll see it. Unless... Here's the unless. If you've got your notes, you can write this down. Unless you are truly free and you're walking in that freedom. So God's plan from the beginning has been to break that cycle. God's plan has been to break that recycle. And, and, and here, here's the answer to the plan. Jesus. Jesus. And I'm going to show you how right here. Luke 4, 16 through 21. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue, to the church on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet, Old Testament. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this was written. Listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus rolled the scroll up, handed it back to the attendant, attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the place looked at him. And then he said this, The scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this day very day wow that scripture that cycle and if you look through here and you you realize what he was talking about good news to the poor to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the lord's favor has come jesus came to break the cycle john 8 31 through 34 says this jesus said to the people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. I want to give you a little note today that's not in your, a little deal that's not in your notes. Satan is called the deceiver, right? And, and so someone that deceives means there's deception. And people that are deceived don't realize they're deceived or they wouldn't be deceived. Does that make sense? Some of y'all are going, oh, I don't know. Now, what that means is if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. 
Now, I just explained a little bit of the history of Israel. Remember, they've gone through all these seasons where they would go through these seasons where they'd be in captivity and they'd be set free and all that other stuff. And we know this to be their history. So Jesus says to them, you're my disciples. If you remain faithful, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And here's what the response is of these people. But we're descendants of Abraham and we've never been slaves to anybody. Does anybody else see the problem in that? They were slaves to everybody. (laughs) And so Jesus is telling them, look, you're going to know the truth, and the truth's going to set you free. And their immediate response is, we're not captives. We've never been captives. Never happened to us. And like Pinocchio, there goes the nose. So they're actually saying, and here's what's even more unique to this statement. At the time that Jesus came, was Israel a free nation? No. Who was there? Rome. (laughs) So they're actually telling Jesus, we've never been a slave to anybody. We're free. And Jesus could have said, well, I'd have said, look around you. You see that Roman soldier over there? Go tell him you're free and see what happens. (laughs) They're so deceived, they're in captivity, and they're saying they're not. That's messed up. How many of you ever asked somebody that's maybe addicted to something or going through a hard time, do you want to be set free? I'm not a captive. Come on. I'm fine. I don't have a problem. I'm okay. And yet the truth is they're in captivity. Even as they say that, they're deceived. So how do we get out of this? I'm not going to leave you just with, Here's where we're at. I'm going to tell you how we're going to get out of it. Does anybody want to hear how we get out of it, or do you want me to quit? Okay, thank you. I see some. I'll do it for y'all. These guys don't want to know. <laughs> Listen to me. We must be born again to become children of God. We know that. But from the moment you are born again, the kingdom of deception, distraction, and destruction is seeking to take you captive. Let's say that again. We must be born again to become children of God, salvation. But from the moment that you're born again, the kingdom of deception, distraction, and destruction is seeking to take you captive. And I'm going to say this, and I need you to listen to me. You can be a Christian and be in bondage. So let's just clear that up right now. You can be a Christian and be in bondage. You can be saved and you can be a captive at the same time. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is your life can be miserable, you can be unfruitful, and you can be in captivity your whole life and be a Christian. So we need to understand how to break this cycle. We need to understand this. And here's the point. Knowing Jesus has set us free is not enough. We must walk in that freedom. So here's the answer. I'm going to give you the answer. The key to living in freedom is abiding each day with God. In other words, God created us for fellowship, and the way that we remain free is that we abide or spend time with or fellowship with God each day. We need to stay in His presence. We need to have continual relationship with him, and that helps keep us free. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
didn't he? That's what he said. And so if we want to stay free, we need to stay close to him. I want to tell you, I have, I could actually just say this one thing and never have to preach a message to you again because you could just always use this every Sunday. Pastor, what's the answer to every challenge that I have in life? Stay close to Jesus. Who are the sheep that get in trouble? The ones that wander off. (laughs) It's not the sheep that are close to Jesus. They're going to have trials and tribulations, but Jesus is right there. And so they're just there with him. And they're going to have challenges because Jesus said we're all going to have challenges. But the ones of us that really get in trouble, and I have been one on numerous occasions, are the ones that go, hey, I got this. I'm going to go over there because look at that grass. Come on, somebody. And a year later, you look around and go, what happened? And then you go back to our cycle. Help. Okay. Redemption. Blessing. We must live in relationship and fellowship with God, hearing and responding to God and living in intimacy with Him. And most of us don't do that. Most of us come to church and we get our Jesus shot for the week and then we go out and we do whatever we want to do and then we don't understand why we're in captivity. Those are the people that come to me and say, Pastor, I've tried this church thing and it's not working. It's not a church thing. It's a relationship. That's like saying, hey, I tried this marriage thing, but it's not working. (laughs) Is that how it works? I said I do. Why is it hard? Right? It's a relationship. It takes work. It takes fellowship. Notice that that the key to the kingdom of God many times is abiding with him. Abiding means you stay there. You choose to abide with him. You choose because God is a gentleman, and he's not going to force you to do anything. We're not robots. We get a choice. We get to choose. And that's awesome. You have free will. You've heard that term. You get to choose. This is the only way that we receive fullness, fruitfulness, and freedom that he intended us to have from the garden until now. This is why you were created. I like this next part. This is where I'm going to get really personal. If you want to leave, this might be a good chance for you. (laughs) Stay there, Courtney. Don't you go anywhere. (laughs) I saw you moving. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Nobody move. Exodus 8, 8 through 10. All right, I'm going to set this up for you. We've talked about the cycle of captivity and all the the cycle, right? Everybody with me? And remember the children of Israel when they were in Egypt and Moses was coming to them and said, let my people go. I don't think he's saying, but anyway, that's when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, you need to let the captives go. And Pharaoh would say, yeah, no, not really. And they went back and forth and all these plagues came on them, right? Well, one of the plagues was a plague of frogs. Now, the Cajuns would have probably had a heyday, but everybody else didn't like them. And there were frogs. There is a plague of frogs, okay? So what happened is the plagues would come, and then Pharaoh would summon Moses, and Moses would come, and it was just this cycle of things going on here. So, so that's where we're at, okay? So Exodus 8, 8 through 10. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let you go so that they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Get rid of the frogs and you can get out of here. They must have been bad frogs. I mean, really bad frogs. 
And so, this is interesting. This is what I want you to listen to. So Moses said to him, you set the time. In other words, when do you want the frogs to go? Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. And here's verse 10. This is what I want you to see. Circle, underline, whatever you do. Pharaoh says to him, you know what? Let's just do it tomorrow. Let's just do it tomorrow. When do you want me to pray that all the frogs go away? And, and Pharaoh goes, let's just do it tomorrow. Does anybody find that interesting? He has the power and the direct connection with God to say, let's do it right now. Let's get rid of the frog. Hey, you know what? Yesterday would have been good. But here's what Pharaoh says. You know what? Nah, let's just do it tomorrow. Here's my point. Some of you guys are living with your frogs. Some of you guys are living with frogs. You've you got frogs in your life, and, and you're going, you know what? I'll deal with it tomorrow. I can handle one more day with my frog, my addiction, my whatever my pain, my baggage, my whatever. I'll deal with it tomorrow. You know what? I mean, God's sitting there going, hey, I want to help you right now. I want to help you right now. Let's deal with this. What do you want to do about it? You know what, Jesus, can I call you tomorrow? I'm a little busy today. The Cowboys are playing. That's what happened. Not that the Cowboys were playing. I'm just saying that's what the deal was. He, he, he was comfortable laying in his sin one more day. But you know what's interesting about this? And I didn't realize this until right now. His people suffered too because of that choice. He not only made a decision that impacted him, it impacted an entire kingdom because he was willing to keep up with his frogs for one more day. So here's my big question for you today. What about you? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you sick of your frogs? Or are you willing to sleep with them one more day? Matthew 23, verse 37. This is Jesus talking. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. Jesus is is looking over the city of Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified. And he looks at this city that represents God's kingdom on earth. It's representative of, of all of that. And he looks at this city and he sees this city and he, and he says these words to them. How often I've wanted to gather you together. You know, I heard a story the other day. A, a pastor was out with, with one of his buddies and they're walking around at his house and his neighbor comes over and his neighbor was like a colonel in the Marine Corps or something and, and retired and, and they're out together and they walk around the corner of their house and there's this duck. And this duck's walking along and it's got all these cute little ducklings with it, little bitty ducklings. And they come around the corner of the car and this duck puffs up real big and opens its wings and all the little ducklings go running up underneath its wings. And then the duck looks at the guys and goes <laughs> he said that was the baddest duck I've ever seen in my life <laughs> I 
I mean, even the Duck Dynasty guys might have got nervous over that deal. I don't know. But the visual image is this. Jesus is saying, how often I've wanted to gather you up underneath my wings and protect you, but you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't let me do it. You know, I've learned, guys, that it's on us. God sent Jesus to die for us. His plan from the beginning has been blessing. He has, he has always planned redemption for us, but we choose to stay in captivity. It's not him. It's us. That old thing, the devil made me do it, is a bunch of baloney. The devil didn't make you do anything. But there's good news. There's good news. I'm almost done. Here's the question. This is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. I promise you this will change your life if you listen. So how do we get and stay free? That's in your notes. How do we get and stay free? That's what I want to know. How do we do that? And here's the answer. Surrender. Surrender to him. Now listen to me. When you surrender, what that means is you are allowing yourself to be under the control of somebody else. You're giving up your rights. You are surrendering. You know, one of the things I learned is in the military, one of the things I learned as a police officer is that when you go out and, and I, when I come up and I say, all right, put your hands behind your back, and they put their hands behind their back and they allow themselves to be handcuffed, guess what they've done? They've surrendered. They've submitted to that authority. And we have to do the same thing. But see, some of us don't want to surrender to God because we want to do things our way. My question to you is, how's that working out for you? Probably about the same as it works out for me when I try to do my own thing. Train wreck. But it's our choice, isn't it? Some of us have stiffened our neck and said, I'm going to do it my way. Yep, you're going to do it your way, all right. And your way is not going to work. Some of us are deceived. We think we have to work harder to gain God's approval. We have to try harder, serve more. And, and we feel like, and it's this thing that the devil does. I've got to do this for God and do that for God. I've got to win back myself into God's graces by doing more things. And that's just as guilty as doing your own thing. Because that doesn't work either. You can't buy God's grace. You just have to receive it. Romans 9, 20 through 21 says this. No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another one as a trash can? Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for our good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, as a Christian, as a child of God, every situation that happens to me, good and bad, is for my good. If I believe his word and I stay surrendered to him, no matter what happens to me, God is always going to turn it out for my good. doesn't matter what it looks like. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty neat. You know, it doesn't say, if you do everything right, hold your mouth right, go to church three times a week, read your Bible every day for 47 and a half minutes, 
and never watch TV, everything will turn out good. Is that what it says? No. What it says is God will cause everything to work out for your good. Just stay in relationship with him no matter what. That is enough for me. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it smells like, no matter what it sounds like, God can take any situation, good or bad, and cause it to work out for my good. So let me tell you today what God's purpose for you is. Here's God's purpose for you. It is a fruitful life. That's God's plan for you. God's plan for you is a fruitful life. Heidi, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to have a fruitful life. Everybody. That's what he wants. That was his plan from Genesis first of the Bible. It's always been for you to be fruitful. It's always been for you to be blessed. That's always what he's planned. And here's what I put underneath that. Check the diamond underneath that on your notes. Here's what I mean. When I say that God wants you to be fruitful, some of y'all are like, I don't even know what that means. That sounds weird. So I'm going to put my definition of what God wants for you. God wants to give you a life worth living. Maybe that hits a little closer to home. God wants to give you a life worth living. That sounds pretty good to me. Isaiah 58, 11 through 12. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in. So what does that mean, Pastor? Look at John 7, 38. Jesus says this. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That sounds awesome. You know, we're going to go down today, and we're going to get to spend time in the river. And you know what's cool about rivers is they're full of life. That's what rivers do. They, they bring life. And, and God, Jesus and, and God is talking through Isaiah and through Jesus also very clearly that his plan for our life is rivers of living water flow out of us. And you know what's cool about that is that water is everything around it. That means other people are blessed. There's that word again. By the river of life flowing out of you. You're supposed to be an oasis. When people are hurting and lost and hungry, they can come to you because they need water. They need life. And that water is flowing out of you. And that's God's plan from the very beginning is that life flow out of you. And you be fulfilled. You be fulfilled. Listen to me. There is freedom. But you must choose to be free, and you must choose to stay free. There's the last blank. It's time to choose. Let's watch this video real quick.
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Excuse me, son. Yeah? What have you got there? Got, got some birds, some wild birds. Really? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Got them in the field over there. There's a field with wild birds. Huh. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them? I want to play games with them. Games? Yeah, I can play games with wild birds, yeah. What kind of games? Um, sometimes I like to poke a stick in there, you know, and they'll be like going, caw, 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 like that, you know? And then sometimes I like to rattle the cage, and they think it's an earthquake, and they love that. What happens to them after you're done playing games with them? Mm, usually I feed them my cat. Yeah, my cat likes wild birds. I'll tell you what. I am fond of wild birds. You are? Yeah, let me buy them from you. You want to buy my wild birds? Yeah. Well, they're no good for nothing. They can't do no tricks or nothing. And when you open this gate, they're just going to fly away. How much? You're serious? I'm very serious. Five dollars. All right. Ten dollars. Okay. Twenty dollars. They're wild birds. They're exotic birds. You found them in a field. An exotic field. All right. That's all I got. you looking at the cage. Yeah. What do you got in there? You know what's in there. Mankind. Found them in the garden. The funny thing is they put themselves in that cage. I had nothing to do with it. So what's your plans with them? I'm going to play games with them. Games? What kind of games? All kinds of games. I'm going to put games into their life that they think is going to bring them so much pleasure that I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to make right seem wrong and wrong seem right. And then? They'll be damned for all eternity. My father and I, we're very fond of mankind. I know. We want them to have access to us. So... I'm going to pay for their freedom. You want these humans? Yeah. You know they promised you everything before. They're going to turn their backs on you. Some will, and some won't. You're serious? Oh, I'm very serious. It'll cost you your tears. I know. Your blood. Yeah. It'll cost you your life. I know. You're willing to give your life. I'm willing to give what it takes. This reminds us about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He picked up that wooden cross and carried it to Mount Calvary because he loved you and me. You got a choice today, Christian. Are you going to continue to do it on your own? 
Are you going to continue to stay in bondage? Or are you going to come to the cross and surrender? Maybe not for salvation, if you're already saved, but for freedom. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. To free the oppressed. That means oppressed. That means beat down. There's a reality to this that we need to experience. So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to be in an attitude of prayer. And if you need to come up today, if there's some things you need to pray about, if there's some things you need to surrender today, if there's a burden you need to lay down, that today's your day. So come.